Well, welcome to Community Good. I'm your host, Marnie Andes. I'm really excited for you to listen to Jamie Tates. I was actually introduced to Jamie um, not too long ago uh, through someone else in my network. And she happens to be someone who has a similar background as myself. Um, She's a CEO of her own company, a keynote speaker, and she's written a book, which is mostly what we're going to be talking about in this part one of two conversations with Jamie. Her book called You Are Here was all about her realizing that she had a lot of challenges that she had been going through and stories about her getting unstuck. I really liked the conversation because there was so much that I saw in myself, not only in my own book, and there's just a lot of opportunity for Jamie and I to continue this conversation ongoing. So here's part one of my conversation with Jamie Tates. Well, Jamie, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, join me on my podcast. I am really, really looking forward to what we're going to get into today. I'm excited as well. Well, thanks, Jamie. I I have to share this with everyone. We were fortunate to have a mutual friend who introduced us. We're all sort of in the similar spaces. We probably all do it a little bit differently, and we probably have some different things that we work on. But I, I thought that would be a great moment to even pause right now and just say, Um, if anyone has anything different than other than women do support women in a really meaningful way, I want you to hear that all three of us are go-getters. All three of us actually play in a similar space, but yet we're all talking to each other, right? Absolutely. And sharing. I was our mutual connection. I was just with her for three days in Phoenix, just got home yesterday at an awards. And we're like brainstorming, like, how do you do this? And what are you doing with clients here? Because it's an abundance mindset. It's there's more than enough to go around and we're stronger when we learn from each other than trying to do our own. Oh, I love that. I mean, I think that there's, that's probably, I know we always talk about lessons on my show and you and I will talk about even more than that. But I I thought, gosh, what a perfect example of something, which is um, giving things away, sharing ideas, supporting other people does not create, I love the abundance piece because you know, to the flip side, it doesn't create scarcity. It doesn't mean because I gave you more that I get less. Correct. Yeah. Well, I, um, you know, obviously have teed it up that we're in similar spaces. You've you've been out on your own, though, running your own company for some time. And while we could spend the next couple of hours just talking about what that business looks like, where we're going to spend our time is actually talking about the journey of what it took to get there. And you know, I will have already, you know, shared with the audience. And of course, they'll see all the links to this, that you are a published author. Congratulations on publishing your book in August of 21. I think there's a great place to go there. I I think maybe even starting there, what, what prompted you to write the book? I get that question a lot. You probably do as well. Um, You know, I've had a podcast for, I've now had a podcast for six years. And a lot of the stories I was sharing, right, the conversations, people would say, like, I want more of that. It's like, how do we get more of this? And I'm like, I have no more time. I can't do any more podcasts than I'm already doing. And I started to realize there were so many lessons as I went back through the themes of the podcast that were stories I hadn't shared on the podcast. I think probably primarily because I was a little bit nervous, right, about putting some of the personal stuff and the things that aren't pretty that people would look at me from the outside and say, like, I didn't realize she'd gone through that, right? Or she had made that mistake, whatever it was. Um, and I was nervous about putting them out there because let's be honest, in our world today, it's really hard to be vulnerable and share the not so great parts, right, of life. But then I started to realize when I'd share those in person with people, it would transform them. They were like, 
I have gone through this too, or something similar but different. And I just thought something was wrong with me. And I started to realize that it now was my duty to share this because I didn't want people walking around thinking they were the only ones that had dealt with this. And so it almost became like this thing beyond me that it was, you know, the stories were coming out and it was like, it just kind of had a life of its own at that point. But it was because I wasn't doing it to become an author. I was doing it to fill a void of something I wish I had, right? A book like this to help me with lessons. And the way I wrote it was as a reference manual. I was very succinct with the editor to say, I want it to be, and you've seen it, right? A table of contents that I could open it up and I still do on my own book. I open it up and go, this is what I'm dealing with today. That's the feeling I'm having. I'm just going to go read those two pages for that part um, because I don't need to go read the whole book over again. I just need to kind of troubleshoot and get myself in the right mindset. Um, and so that's why I wrote it. I wrote it to kind of be of service both to myself and to other people. Oh, I love it. I mean, even just the first few pages, being able to read through some of that and just see some of the principles and um, the things, you know, sort of the guiding way that you walk someone through. So it's really helpful for you to even provide that summary of of why you wrote the book and sort of how you use it. I I think that's the value of of so much of what we get to put on paper, which is that we do get to refer to it from time to time. I, I was doing some something similar, getting ready for a keynote that's coming up soon, and I was like, no, I think this is actually the right lesson for me to focus on for this particular piece of it. And referring to my own book, thinking, how can I not remember my own book? <laughs> but yet, not remembering right? it. Like, right. so, so that's the thing, right? Is As we grow and evolve and go through life, I believe we just have these points of where we get stuck. And I can have a 20-year-old can be stuck with the same reason that I am. It just looks different. Right. But to reframe it and make it simple to say we're both stuck, maybe for the same reason. It just my unstuck looks a little bit different and what I need to do to get there. And so that's also why I wrote it mm-hmm. to say, I think you can pick it back up. Right. You you can go back to it. I, I mean, it's weird to tell people I read parts of my own book over again, but I do because I already know it and I have to be reminded of it at the same mm-hmm. time. Oh, that's the key. And I think that's where. I'm looking forward to getting into this conversation because I think, you know, the reason why it's so helpful to be able to read it is because the work's never done. This is the work, right? This is the work. And I think part of it is there can be this impression, especially from the outside, when women find success, if men find success, it's that oh, there was a beginning, but there's the end. And I didn't really see what was in between or that there was hardships or there was challenges or look how lucky that person must be or where they've made it. And I think that's probably more of a reason to to remind ourselves through our books and that kind of thing. And I want to get into your book. So let's go into like even um, maybe a, a lesson or a principle that even for you, as you started to put it to paper, you thought to yourself, gosh, I needed this lesson when I was young. I needed to know it earlier. I needed to tell my younger self this lesson. Which one? Which one kind of pops up for you Gosh, on that? There's so many. So there, there's a one that pops to mind first that I use every time I talk. I speak specifically to women's groups. Is I talk about the fact that fear and faith cannot coexist, and I have them imagine a tug of war. Right? We all know there's two teams on either side. There's a there's a flag in the center, right? And it's got that center point. And either one team or the other team is always winning, right? It's pulling in one direction or the other at all times. 
And if we think about our fear being that same way is when we're in fear, we can't, we are not in faith in that moment, right? So we can have fearful moments. But what I started to realize is that when I had those fearful moments, if I could find one small thing that I had faith in, and when I say faith, I it can mean, right, your actual faith, religious faith, or it can be faith in yourself, right? Or faith in your, you know, your situation is what's one thing I believe that is, you know, that and in the moment you have that thought, you're right, you, you're a mindset person too. It's mm-hmm. like you immediately shift your entire mindset. And it doesn't mean that fear goes away. It doesn't mean we solve it. It just means we don't let it take the power that it doesn't deserve. And we put that power back in our faith. And so th- I think about that tug of war almost daily. Like, where am I at right now? I'm this up. I'm right. I'm in fear. I need to do something to get myself either back to center or into faith. What's something that for you, I think, again, I think that's this is where we, we pull the curtain mm-hmm. so that people can see it. What does that look like for you on a day-to-day? If that's something that you're having to remind yourself of, what is something where you've sat in fear and had to remind yourself to get back into faith? So you want to go for the last hour or do you want to go for the last day? <laughs> what would you? So I just got off a call with my coach right before we started this and it just unloaded a whole bucket full of fear, right, for her. And again, that's the value of a coach, right? Mm-hmm. It's the value of somebody they can they can play that back for you. and. Most of my fear right now actually stems from not knowing how to solve some of the business issues and the scalability issues that that we have, right? We have, I, I make the joke, I'm releasing a second book around culture in June and it's like national publisher, like it's a big deal. And I feel like we have a rocket ship of energy that doesn't have the rocket. Mm. So when this goes, if we don't have the rocket built, at least a little bit can be janky, right? It's the energy is going to spat, right? It's not going to be a focused energy. And so for right now, for me, all of my fear is wrapped up in just, can I scale this thing? Am I even capable of this, right? So from the outside, people would look at my business. I mean, shit, I just got back from an award, right? Like 100 women to know in America. And I'm standing up there going like, oh my God, if they had any idea how much I don't know right now, like, and I haven't figured out because I've never done this before. Mm -hmm. I've never scaled the business to the size that I want to scale it, right? And so that's where my fear is wrapped up. But even saying it out loud to you, I'm like, this is so ridiculous. Like, I'll figure it out. I figured it out 100% of the times mm-hmm. before this, right. right? So that's my moment of faith. Like, you figured it out before, you'll figure this out too. Yeah. Where do you catch yourself? Because I think this is really interesting. I mean, mm-hmm. we I've shared it before um, around, it's, it's one thing to... To, to know that you have those fears or, you know, people may say, well, it might look like an insecurity. It might pop up as a, you know. Um, but it's another thing when you actually dig into it and start sharing it with other people as to what that what that looks like. And so, like, as you walk yourself through that, you mentioned a coach. I, I have a coach, too. I always tell people there, there's a couple things. One is you have to, you need to have a coach. You just have to have a coach. And, and the more people go to coaches, even if we coach, <laughs> yes, the more important it is that you do that. But like, what's your process other than that? Like, where do you, what space do you go to, to even catch yourself? Yes, we're having a dialogue and you just said, hey, it sounds right. ridiculous, but where right. do you go when maybe you're not having this conversation? Right. 
So I do a lot of meditation is a big one for me. Breath work, right? Tends to kind of calm the fears, even though, again, it doesn't solve the fear. It just gets me in a different headspace so I can not be paralyzed by the fear, right? And move forward. The one thing I, I talk a lot in the book about, our job is not to eliminate fear. We're hardwired as humans, right? Through that fight or flight, the fear. It, it's actually something that was built in us to be used for good. But our stimuli has just increased so much, right? And the pressure and kind of society that it's now like peaked out all the time. So it's our job is not to eliminate fear. Like there's not something wrong with you because you have a fearful thought all the time, all literally every day, multiple times a day. There's nothing wrong with you. What my message is, is that how do we, first off, how do we recognize the fear and shift the course faster instead of staying in it? So that's what I've gotten better at is I catch it. I catch my imposter thoughts and then I kind of chuckle about them, right? So I don't let them like take over, right? And make my chest tight and make me like all of those things. I will be like, oh my God, that's the stupidest thing. Like kind of talking to myself, right? But I like when I have the thought, I address the thought Mm -hmm. and I kind of lessen its um, grip on me. And I think that's the really important thing. The sooner we can recognize our fear for what it is, the less of a hold it has on us. And then the other thing that I believe, and I think it's a mindset thing, is I believe that that fear is there for fuel, right? Same way I believe that stuck is a great place to be, right? It doesn't mean it doesn't suck to be in a stuck place, but it's your catalyst for change, right? Unless you feel that way, you're going to just keep doing what you're doing comfortably on autopilot, like many of us live our lives, going through the motions. Until that stuck point happens, that's it. That's it going, hey, you're off your purpose, right? Mm -hmm. Or you're not living the way you're, you know, you're not living big enough. You're not doing what you should be doing. And so I have now gotten better, not perfect, at using that fear to fuel me forward versus keep me where I'm at. And a lot of it's mindset. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, what I would love to dig into is more about the the fear being your fuel, but that place where you said you like being stuck. And I think this is a really big point because there could be the perception of, you know, as long as things are happening in a really good way and as long as things are, you know, you're continuing to succeed or things are going your way, that that's, that's what we're all going for. But I, even just the parts um, of your book where you said, you know, I was in this place where suddenly I was I was in a, a nice job. I was able to do all these things. I was, you know, in a marriage. I had kids. I was, and then I was like, is, but is this, a, is this everything? Is this it? Right. Like, and even more, I broke down on a curb in the middle of a run in the middle of the day in public. I had literally, I, what I think is probably a little bit of a nervous breakdown. And from the outside, my life was everything you just described. Right. The 2.2 kids in the suburban house, you know, beautiful. Like we had, we were safe. Right. I had everything that there's a lot of people in the world that would be like, that's what I aspire to have. And I had it. So what was wrong with me that I wasn't happy with it Mm -hmm. anymore? I was happy at one point, but it's like I got to a point where I almost felt like I outgrew my life. And I didn't know what to do about it. It was really scary to me. And this doesn't mean I didn't love my kids. And I didn't, you know, I hated my job. Like, that's not where I was at. 
it was, it, I actually get more worried for people that are in the situation I was in than the ones that blatantly are like, this job sucks. I need to look for another job because my job didn't suck. It just wasn't what I wanted. And I struggled for a good two years. I, I call it the rumble strips. So this is a good analogy that everybody can relate to is for two years of my life, I remember these feelings coming and going and like rumble strips, right? You're starting to kind of drive off the road. You hear the thump, 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 and you come back on the road. So you knew they were there, but they don't really impact you. But then it happens more frequently. And what happened is I was hearing those over and over again. And I was going, I was pushing it down and saying, you should be grateful for what you have, right? You should be grateful. We all have had that moment. We've all had people tell us that, that we should be grateful for what we have. We're lucky. And so I just didn't address it until it like came full. I don't even know what caused it, but it came full force um, and I had to address it. And there was therapy involved, coaches, right? I mean, to talk through it, to say like, what's wrong with me? And what I realized is nothing was wrong with me. I just wasn't living my purpose and I wasn't taking forward steps towards what I was supposed to do. And I knew it in my soul, but I didn't know how to do it in the outward world. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? And so eventually it just came forward and it it kind of overtook my body. Well, and it overtakes you physically, which I yes. I absolutely get that where you, I mean, I've had even a previous guest where we've talked around the fact that your physical triggers, your physical um, indicators, like those are things to listen to. If if you're not listening to your body, now it doesn't require that you have to have a breakdown in public, like you're saying, like on right. a run, right. but that those things really do matter, that something's been sitting with you probably for far too long without you doing something. I mean, where did you go from there? Okay, so you have this happen. So then what? So that was set me on probably another two-year journey, right? So I'm, I'm sharing how long because this is not a quick fix. This isn't a couple of weeks or a couple of therapy sessions. It set me on a journey of, you know, so this was early 30s that I had this, this first moment. I have had others, by the way. We can get into those too. But this was the first one. And it set me on this journey of like, and this was before everybody was talking about it, right? Purpose. What does that mean? But I, that word kept coming forward for me. And I kept thinking like, who am I besides a title at a job and a mom? And like, it was this constant, like, do I even know who I am? Or, you know, and so I went on that search. So reading books, doing assessments, right? I went assessment crazy, trying to put words to what I was feeling because the feeling part of our brain, right? The limbic part of our brain doesn't have language. And so it was the feeling I was trying to put words to to describe it to people and to describe it to myself so I felt more normal. And as I went through that process and started networking and talking to people, I started to realize like when I would share where I was at, people were like, I feel the same way, right? I don't know what to do. Or I like, I've I've felt that way in the past. And so I started to normalize it and then started to realize every time I had that conversation, Every time I shared my story that was not pretty, right? And I didn't know where I was, what I was supposed to be doing. I got a little more power. Like I thought of it as like a power meter. It made me more powerful to be authentic and vulnerable in my stuck point. And over time, I started like helping other, that's where the podcast came from. And I started helping other people in their stuck points, even while I was stuck myself, Mm -hmm. right? And I started to realize that 
it is not this or this. It can be and at the same time, right? You can be a masterpiece and, you know, a complete mess at the same time, just for different reasons. And I started to just kind of live into that a bit more. And that was the point of change. And then a whole lot of change happened in my life from that. Right. So what were some of the changes that that came out of that? Yeah. So I um, had a job change, meaning I quit my job. My perfectly good job was stock options and walked away from six figures and, you know, like all of this kind of stuff because I just couldn't do it anymore. And I couldn't put my myself in that place. I wasn't living into anything that filled me up every day. And I took a month off and just said, I'm going to figure it out. And, you know, I talk about, I'm going to double down on me and what's the worst that can happen? I go back and get another job. But like, I, I've got to figure this out. And then I had been on, you know, a kind of a spiritual mission for a while at that point. Which, so I had good tools, which was very helpful too. I'd started to use kind of meditation and some of these tools to help me. And then six months after starting my business, right, deciding I'm going to do the entrepreneurial thing. And um, I found myself in the middle of a divorce. And so the safety net that I'd had to start my business, right, to have the confidence in myself was gone. And that was another point of, well, there's only one way from here. Like, it's not to go back. It's not to sit in this place. It's to figure out how to do this on my own, right? And lean on myself. And I tell this story um, and it feels callous. So I just want to, you know, anybody who's going through this, anybody who hasn't been through this and felt a little bit of judgment, right? When you heard me say that is, that's all okay. Because we're all coming from a different place. But what I'll tell you is my divorce was the best thing that happened for me as a person, for my business, for my future dreams. And again, I want to say, I know that sounds callous because there were children involved. I also believe my children are more resilient based on what they went through. So that's just a belief that I have and what I've seen in them. But why that was so good for me is I had no freaking choice but to lean on myself. I was the only one. And I was the only one that was going to get me out of the situation that was going to figure it out. And it built a muscle. I talk a lot about you've got to build new muscles. I believe it happened for me instead of to me because it was preparing me for what I was supposed to do. And that's hard to say when you're in the middle of it. So anybody who is in the middle of it, I see you. I hear you, right? It is really, really sucky when you're in the middle of it. But the person you become through hardship and hardship can be a health diagnosis, right? It can be a death in the family, you know, or a friend. It can be, there's a lot of hardships. It can be a loss of a job. When you're in it, you can't see it. But when you get through the other side, we all know that you're better on the other side than you were going into it, typically. And so for me, it's just these moments of now that I've built up enough of this experience of like, I now know it's better on the other side and I can get through hard things. Now when hard things hit me, they still suck. They're still hard. I, I, I still have fear about them. But constantly in the back of my head, like even when I talk about my fear of my business, there's like a voice in the back of my head that's like, you'll be fine. <laughs> like I know I'll be fine. Right. Literally no doubt in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because I built that muscle to get through hard things. Yeah. But you have to go through them. There's a beautiful quote, and I'm going to massacre it. I don't even know who it's by, but I think about it almost every day. 
is, you know, it's something around that. What if we started thinking about the obstacles in our way as not in our way, but what if they're part of the journey? What if the obstacles are supposed to be there? They make you who you're supposed to be instead of who you are. It's just, it's a complete mindset shift when you're in hard times to think of it as like, what is this preparing me for? Instead of how do I survive this? Thanks so much for listening. You can find more information on my website at marnieandes.com. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram. Make sure to listen next week for part two of my conversation with Jamie Tate's.